Hey, Collaborings, I'm Bryce Loggins. And I'm Jasper Bowman. And you're listening to Collaborings. How's it going, Jasper? I'm good, Bryce. How about you? Good, good. How was your Thanksgiving? Yeah, it was the usual. Just the the regular? Just the regular. How was the weather? Was the weather regular? Weather has been interesting. We got some some good hard rains. There's uh, water in the creek. Um, started this jogging routine. I've realized that just sitting at my computer all day is making me go a little insane. So um, there is a, a wilderness area just about a half a mile from here. And uh, the first part of the trail runs by a creek bed, which was dry after the first couple of storms that we have, but is now uh, has... I won't say full of water because it's California and probably nothing will ever be, quote, full of water again. But there's water in it and it's running through there. And yeah, it's a nice, nice feeling. Is that a creek that before you moved to that area, you would not have seen? So you can't tell me how it was a year ago or five years ago? Was not as intimately familiar with it as I am now. It is a, a creek that I have visited on a number of occasions um, and have seen it quite full and moving in the spring but yeah being a, a regular visitor to it now i'm much more attuned with its rises and falls and so it's good it's good to i like that that feeling of being plugged into the seasons in that way we're having the weather that is very much as far as I remember, unlike the weather of my youth, it is, you know, early December. We have no snow on the ground. It's hovering around the 30s. Some days it's even creeping up to the mid 40s. In the memory bank, I have this time of year is already having permanent snow on the ground, having to shovel, being very cold. I'm able to go on walk still just in a hoodie and a hat. And that does not feel like that has historically been the case. And on the one hand, I have to trust that some kind of shift is going on and that it may have poor consequences for all of mankind but as someone who's going on a walk today, yeah, I don't really mind when it's in the mid-30s halfway through the day and I'm not having to watch out for snow and ice. I can understand. It's a, a double-edged sword there, those those days. How was yeah. your Thanksgiving? Dude. Um, hi, listener. And, and cut. <laughs> you might be thinking that uh, I was rude when I didn't ask Jasper any follow-up questions about Thanksgiving. Jasper said that things were normal, and so I took that as a sign that probably had some turkey, some mashed potatoes, some stuffing, sat around, watched a football game. There were probably family med- members around, friends around, and because... Jasper didn't want to expound anymore or didn't feel like there was much to expound on. 
I didn't ask any follow-up questions. And this is important as a reader and writer relationship that you have to trust that if the writer isn't putting in a detail inviting further discussion, it may be because there's no further discussion to have here and any further discussion is just a distraction from actually moving the plot forward. And as a writer, it is important to trust your reader to understand as much as they possibly can about context, about what we're talking about, trusting the reader. The The topic here is um, trusting the reader, which means not over-explaining things, exposition, not not committing the writerly crime of exposition, which is over-explaining things. It's treating your readers like they're dumb and that they don't know what's going on. Bryce had asked me about my Thanksgiving, and I did not trust him to understand anything about the world. I might have uh, taken the time to explain what Thanksgiving is, what we ate, who was there, etc. But none of that was my Thanksgiving was all completely within the standard Thanksgiving story. The, it was completely within the the accepted range of standard Thanksgiving events. Um, nobody, nobody passed out. Nobody got sick. You know, the, the sorts of notable things that would be deviations from the standard story would be things to report. But like Bryce said, I said, yeah, it's kind of the normal thing. And then he can, he's got a full night. He's got a full image of the entire event. And I don't, there's nothing else that I need to explain. This is important because readers are very sensitive to you as the writer treating them like they're dumb. It's not a nice feeling. Uh, as a writer, you might be tempted to try to impart everything that you know about a scene. It's like, well, no, this is really how I envision this whole thing. And it's really important that the reader understands every bit of exactly how this is in my head. If you find yourself thinking that, we would encourage you to hit pause on that impulse and think about like what are the things that the reader really needs to know? What what are the things that they ab that are that are critical to your plot development or to your character development or to you know what what are the essential things that are happening in this scene? And if you're explaining a whole bunch of things that are just you know everybody loves a nice rich descriptive passage but be careful not to over explain things and as a counter to that when jasper asked me how my thanksgiving was and i said dude just that one word and how i said it indicates something extraordinary must have happened and so you as a listener jasper as a listener Focus, narrow the focus. Oh, something is about to get told to me that the person who is telling it believes to be important. Let me focus. Something. And though I didn't have a story to follow up because my Thanksgiving was also pretty normal for illustrative purposes, 
I just wanted to point out that one word right there, just one word and the way it was said indicates something important is here. It's the thing telling the reader to pay attention, but it's not telling the reader pay attention. It's not it's not specifically talking down to the reader to say, here's something important. I didn't, when Jasper asked how Thanksgiving was, I didn't say, I need you to listen to this because it's very important and I have something I need to share with you. So please focus. I just said, dude. Which is Gen X code for <laughs> lean in and listen up because something happened. Lean in, listen up. Something happened. <laughs> AKA. But Dude. But really what my Thanksgiving consisted of was lunch in an overcrowded restaurant that gives me the anxieties just being around a lot of people under any circumstances, but with the heightened energy that is holidays, it, it was a bit it was a bit much. And then my niece and my nephew and my brother and I and my friend Patricia, we all went to an escape room on Black Friday and did some escaping. And I have you done an escape room, Jasper? Have you ever I have not. They're they're fun and they're a good community building exercise. And it's always great to see how different people's brains work finding clues of of how to get out of places and there are times where something seems very obvious to me and then there are times where other things i i marvel at how other people's brains make the connections to um to be able to put things together and brains are just really amazing things and how they all work so differently and and everything about it's just it's a fun process how is Speaking of process, we're we're done with NaNoWriMo, and I'm just wondering how you weren't actively engaging in the, trying to write 50,000 words in a month, but how was November as a writing month for you? Um, I was doing the literary opposite of NaNoWriMo, which was <laughs> struggling mightily for weeks and weeks with one scene. Um, I talked about this a bit on our last episode where I had a breakthrough. This is multiple third person manuscript. And this is a point where several, uh, three in particular, three of my viewpoint characters are converging in one scene after having been scattered all around the place for the majority of the narrative. Now they've all converged and I was I have been struggling and struggling with this scene literally for weeks. And at first I had the order of their, their perspectives wrong. I have this one scene and I'm, there's one narrator for the beginning, one for the middle, one for the end. And I realized I had it in the wrong order. So I switched that around and then that I was hoping would lead to a big breakthrough and I would be able to just, the scene would just come spilling out, but it didn't. The characters were still just sitting around, kind of looking at each other, having the it, it, it remind their their the conversation, the interactions reminded me of you know when I was in junior high and uh, hanging out with my best friend Jason Degardi, and we would have conversations that kind of went like, "What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. 
and so this is what my characters have been doing and it was I, it has been endlessly frustrating and then yesterday just yesterday i was driving and i realized that there was a key piece of information that one of these characters needs to pass on to another character and that was the part that had been missing i think I haven't, that was, uh, at least let's say that that was another of the parts that had been missing. But with that key piece of information that I realized that that completely changes the power dynamics of this whole interchange. It changes the goal of the conversation for everybody. And I, I, I feel like I know what these characters are doing now and why they came together. That's why a pretty amazing feeling, isn't it? Well, it'll it will be when I finally get this scene finished and written. But it it is yeah, and I've been it has been. I don't think I've ever struggled like this before. And I don't I don't know if it's writer's block. I mean, maybe you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I I can't. I can't speak a whole lot about writer's block. I don't think I have really ever experienced it in the way that that some others have, but. It's definitely just been a struggle and I've just been writing and deleting and writing and deleting and rearranging and just not, not finding my way through it. And then finally, I think I stumbled upon this critical piece of information that, that was, is, is the key to the whole interaction. So that's great. We'll see. But no, it it is. I mean, it's great no matter what, whether or not you're able to translate it out from the brain to the page. That's a separate question, but the dopamine that comes with what you were just talking about of having that aha moment and having a series of aha moments and realizations. I, I love that. I, I love it. I, I, I hope it works and it does feel good to know that my brain is still working. <laughs> At least now I have to do my job and get it on the page in a way that's compelling but um, I think it'll. I'm, I'm feeling. I'm feeling good about it, and it's it's <clears throat> interesting because it took me hours of just thinking about this scene and to 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 in order to to find that realization. Did you use the self questioning of what if when you were? reworking what that scene is and did you keep asking yourself different permutations of well what if this or what if this or what if this or did it come in a different way mostly the questions i was asking myself are like why do you suck at this so bad <laughs> why is this so horrible what the hell is wrong with these characters who made these people up why aren't they doing what they're supposed to be doing so it was more it was more just existentialist question <laughs> I did not. I I didn't. I did. I I didn't know what I was missing. Like I didn't even know enough to start asking those questions. I felt like I knew what the interactions were supposed to be, so I didn't. I didn't have the perspective to take that step back and and to even begin to ask those questions about about you know what what was happening. So it just it it came to me. Um, you know, I decided I was going to, I had about a, a half hour car ride and I just said, I'm not going to put on any music. I'm so frustrated with the scene. I'm just going to sit here and drive and just let my brain think about what's happening there. And then it it just came to me in, in the midst of that. Like, I'm glad oh. to hear that 
the <clears throat> best byproduct of NaNoWriMo came in December, uh, or the 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 culmination of NaNoWriMo came in December, and I think that that's a good metaphor for people to keep in mind, especially people who have written whole novels in the month of November. It's like you you did a lot of great work there, and it in the coming weeks and months, uh, it'll it'll manifest in a way that you couldn't even have managed, maybe even ma imagined in November when you were working on it. Right. And you might, part of your process might be uh, pulling your hair out for six weeks over one scene and having an existential crisis yeah. in the midst of it. And then, and then having to get through that. I spent my NaNoWriMo. Uh, there's, there's kind of this thrill and danger going on with my own process right now. And that is, I've set up so that I have an easel to the right of my computer. And I, I was, the way that it had been working is I would write until I would get stuck and I needed a contempt, contemplative moment like you're talking about with your car ride. So I would pick up a brush and I'd just start painting. And I noticed reliably that it would unlock my creativity. It would help me through, if not writer's block, at least the tangle of yarn where I couldn't figure out where everything was supposed to be going. Then I'd put the brush down and I would go back to writing. But what's happened lately, and I think it's as I've gotten a little bit better about being able to control what I'm painting in that I'm able to set out with an intention and kind of capture it. <clears throat> Although, to be honest, I often see what's in a painting well after I'm done and it's stuff that I didn't intentionally put in there, just either subconsciously or unconsciously or I'm able to squint in a way to see things a certain way. But... I've gotten to this point now where I've painted a couple of things and they so like when I'm done and I look at it and I just kind of stare at it for a while, my brain writes a whole novel around what I've just painted and I get the rush of what it's like to write a novel in painting and I, I'll be done with one in a night. And I'll look at it and I'll have the feeling of like, I just captured and told the story and I can fill in all of the backstory, all of the everything around it. And it's this rich and lush world. And it's kind of scratching an itch in a way that makes actually writing seem like a superfluous activity. I've, I've done the thing that I really, at the heart of writing, it was like, how do you how do you create a story, write that story, and have the satisfaction of knowing that we've created this world, that we have gone from where there was nothing and created something? So now I'll just look and stare at these paintings, and I'll be like, oh, okay, well, these two people, this is what happened here. This is why they're here. This is their whole life. And it's really satisfying in a way that my overall writing output is probably down 80% in the last few weeks because I'd rather just spend my time painting. And uh, like 
one of the paintings I realized after I was done with it or when I was getting close to done with it that I had painted two characters from my novel. I had painted a scene from my novel. Mm. And I thought about how much work it is to write out all of that to get to that scene and then write that scene. Whereas if I have this painting and someone says, oh, what is this about? I can say, well, here's the painting and I can talk for two minutes or five minutes about who these people are and what this is about. And I've done what I wanted to do by writing a whole novel. And so that's, it's been really interesting, but it's allowed the characters to become I don't know if realer is the right word, but when I see a visual representation of them on a canvas in front of me, I'm able to better feel their flesh and hear their heartbeat. And that is such a significant rush for me because that's all I ever want to do is like make living characters on a page or now apparently on a canvas. So my NaNoWriMo has evolved into something that I hadn't anticipated. And I was talking to my friend, Bronwyn Ruska, the publisher over at Soho, your friend as well. And uh, I've been sending her paintings as I've been doing them. And we were talking about how this has changed my writing and creating process and she asked me some questions. I was like, that's a really good question. And so I want to spend some time thinking through why exactly I think this is happening in a more formal way than what I'm just saying right now. And uh, I, I'm really hoping that maybe in the future that we can do a, a collaborings writer's retreat where we all sit down and paint and people get get the try this out and see what this is like and i i believe greatly that this is a tool that writers can use to better understand their story and their craft and what's important that's awesome man i'm really thrilled that you've discovered this modality and are tapping into these parts of your brain that were looking for expression yeah yeah, I think I'd, I wouldn't be a writing partner without saying that I'm I'm eagerly awaiting more pages from your work in progress, though. So, <laughs> all right. Well, that's I need that encouragement too, because uh, if I'm if I'm realistic about it from a technical standpoint, I'm certainly a better writer than I am a painter. But from an enjoyment standpoint, right now I'm getting a significant amount of enjoyment out of painting. Well, I think that's 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 what matters. What else is on our list to discuss today on the podcast? Well, I have a quick update on my um, collection, my growing collection of independent bookstore t-shirts. Some of you may have seen the plea that I sent out oh, last month or the month before uh, asking for recommendations for local bookstores all across the land. I needed some new t-shirts and uh, have a giant pile of books that still need to be read. So we wanted to support some local bookstores. Um, so I, I sent out a plea and got several recommendations. Um, I've got my City Lights of San Francisco, uh, the famous City Lights 
t-shirt represented here um it's one of the few bookstores i've actually been to of the of the shirts i've begun to collect um one from uh room of one zone there in mm -hmm. madison wisconsin um which is a has a fantastic design on it i think they collaborated with a, a artist or designer to to put out a line they kind of went next level on their t-shirt design which i i really appreciate um i have one from maine and i would i received in the mail without having ordered it a a shirt that just said books and books on it gray t-shirt nice soft perfectly fitting shirt and just said books and books it's like what the heck is this so i uh got on the old googling machine and looked it up and it turns out it's a little indie book shop in miami beach which pointed me to a suspect, my good friend Kelly Grayer, who lives in Fort Lauderdale. And um, I asked her if she was the mastermind behind the books and book shipment. And sure enough, she was. All of which is to say that I now have shirts from both Maine and Florida. So I'm I'm looking to get the I figure I'm gonna go on an all 50 state, on an all on an all 50 Great state idea. collection. Um so I, I'm I'm looking for Alaska and Hawaii next. So if anyone's got indie bookstores in Alaska and or Hawaii, then then put those in the notes. Let me know. Um, I've got Wisconsin covered. I've got Colorado covered. I've got um, couple from New York. So the 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 collections on the way. I've got stores that I recommend in Virginia, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire. Kansas, Oregon. So I might I might have to have some people help me out and get some shirts your way for your your 50 shirt collection. <clears throat> you know, Oregon's got Powell's, which is almost if not as iconic as City Lights, but I mean those are two of the most iconic for bookstores sure. here on the West Coast. America. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think Powell's is actually a store that I've been to. So I need to I need to to wrap that up. We will be going to Washington. I was going to say, yeah, Seattle's got Seattle's got Elliott Bay. There's there's a couple of bookstores in Seattle that we can definitely get to. And this is again a reminder for anyone who's going to be in Seattle in March when AWP is occurring, either because you're there for AWP or because you're in the general area. We would love to hang out, and we will be giving an update uh, as details firm up about where we'll be and how we can all hang out and do some cool stuff together maybe do a little volunteering maybe do a little book reading open mic stuff we got all kinds of options people what else is on the list just trust trust the reader let's wrap it up just trust trust your reader just treat your readers like they're very very smart overestimate them over, over, much better to be overestimated. It's much, much better to feel like you're just barely grasping a story or a plot point or a character than to feel like you're being beaten over the head with it. One hundred percent agree. Is that it for this episode of Collaborings, Mister Jasper? That's all I've got, Bryce. All right. Well, if you enjoy this podcast, wherever you get it, feel free to rate, review, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. Go ahead and hit that 
subscribe button and leave some comments below and whatever other stuff they tell you to do to become famous on the internet because we're very, very invested. Jasper and Bryce, internet superstars. We're very, very, very into that. Um, and I would also like to point out that we are getting towards the end of the year. We just had Thanksgiving. I am thankful for a lot of things this year. I have also had an opportunity to read good books, watch good things, listen to good things. And so you, Collaborings, if you have something that you are particularly thankful for this year or a piece of art or music or television or anything that has really moved you that you wish more people knew about, send that in to info at collaborist.org and we will be reading some of those during the next episode of Collaborings. And I think that's pretty much it. For spaghetti. Or Cheerios. Collaborate. Cobblestones. Jasper. <laughs> <laughs>